0: A reading from the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, and making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, As each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. The Word of the Lord.
1: Good morning, friends. It is good to see you again. It's a blessing for me to be here with you. Um, oh, is the, are the kids having the liturgy of the Word this morning? No. Okay. He'll be with us. Very good. Very good. Well, let let us ask for the Lord's help as we approach his word then. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for your mercy and your grace. Lord, we ask that your word of truth would be revealed to us, be open to us. Would you grant us understanding in our hearts, not just only in in our minds, Lord. Open your word to us. Help us. We can be dull, but we need your light, Christ. Illuminate us, O enlightener of man. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Does it, is this This is on? I'm going to turn this off then, so we don't do double mic. We're going to spend some time in a lot of scripture this morning, because um, I think... Paul does a great job explaining everything he means to say, just not necessarily always in the same place, in the same letters to the brothers and sisters. Um, We'll begin in Romans 16, and we'll move through a few different passages. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk, and flattery. They deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good, and innocent as to what is evil. And in Philippians 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And in 1 John, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness we lie and do not practice the truth but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of jesus his son cleanses us from all sin and so on through through the whole old new testament through the whole new testament loads and loads of scriptures about unity and about division. Why? Why is that? Why is that such a central theme? Uh, especially when we look at the landscape of the church today, and we we see something like forty thousand denominations worldwide. What is that? Is that unity? I think. Well, uh, well, we're going to be in Ephesians four this morning, uh, but. We need to look at what Paul has been doing in, in the course of this letter, I think before we arrive at this point because we're at a transition we're at a transition Paul's ephesian uh, Paul's a letter to the Ephesians is, is about family He begins, uh, he begins the, the letter especially in chapter two by outlining what our salvation means and what we are saved into uh, and that's obviously very common in the New Testament but if we go back, that's, that's the whole story, that's the whole narrative, right? If we go back uh, even to the pronouncement of the curse, we see uh, God promising our redemption, our salvation, and the way by which he does that is by forming a people. It takes one man and forms a family, and then we see that, that struggle, that wrestling with God throughout the whole Old Testament, uh, and, that, and that, that wrestling, that striving. Uh, doesn't find any sort of rest or fulfillment until the coming of the Christ. Uh, Back at uh, Christ the Redeemer is the parish that I serve at um, more regularly, although this summer I feel like I've split my time pretty fairly between (laughs) here and there, um, which I'm very thankful for. And we've been preaching through Acts in, in the ordinary time. and. It's been, it's been incredible to look closely at how God grows his church. Uh, it doesn't align with what we, how we would grow the church. We would employ models. We do. We do employ models. We can, we can talk to anybody um, from various denominations and they might talk to you about some sort of business model, some sort of uh, tactic or strategy that Oh, this is how you get people in the door. this is how you hook people. this is how you can plug people in, all, all sorts of this lingo that we 've developed. Um, but the way that God develops his church in acts is it 's wild <laughs> it 's totally wild. I mean, he even uses the martyrs. He uses death to spread to get glory for himself. And so as we approach uh, chapter four in Ephesians, specifically the the front end, where, where we will be, as, as Louis read this morning um, we should be paying attention. How is it that God grows and sustains His, sustains His church, and what is our participation in that? Right, because there is nothing in the Christian life that we, that is exclusive from us. We have got, Christ has invited us into full participation in His life, in His life. So, let's, if you will open with me, if you haven't already, to Ephesians four, we'll begin in verse one. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Uh, Paul begins this section with, therefore. He's transitioning out of having talked about um, our salvation and this, this family that God has formed and has brought the Gentiles into and how that was the plan all along. So now, at this moment of therefore, he's he's transitioning into exhortation. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, that is as being in the family of God, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity, the spirit, in the bond of peace. And he kind of offers this, this these first few verses as, as sort of a transitional summary statement of what he's been saying. Uh, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. So Paul is, he's, when he's talking about the family, he's using language like inheritance. Um, he's talking about sharing in a call. He's calling them to unity. That's what he's highlighting. But he, he, begins to, he begins to give us two points uh, by which to sort of reflect and meditate and understand how our unity works. Um, because as you know, as you gather as a people, there are many, many different practices, many different opinions in this room. Many ways of thinking. And that causes conflict in, amongst us, doesn't it? Even though we share one Lord, even though one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, there's, there's still division in our midst. So Paul continues, because what, what he's framing in the beginning, what he's highlighting about the family of God, is that the family of God is unified. With God's vision for humanity, the renewed humanity, is, is a unified humanity, but it doesn't mean uniformity, okay? It doesn't, it's not sort of this, like, dystopian automatons, um, take communion, and it's like, sh- your eyes glaze over, okay? There is an act, there's a, there's a vivid life that God is calling each of us into, and we each have a role. And so that's what he gives us. He gives us, uh, Paul continues in the text saying, he gave us the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. What is the church? What is the church? Is it a place of uniformity? No, by no means. Paul is, is saying that this, this body, this group uh, that God has gathered for himself is a place of diversity. He mentions a few of these vocational calls, um, but we know by some of his other other letters these aren't aren't the only calls in the church. There are many, but he uses these to to represent a broader truth about the church, that the church is a a diverse family with a unified life in God. Uh, And each role in the church, represented by these few here, uh, uh, they each have uh, a similar purpose. They, they share in the calling. And as, as Paul says in the text, it is for the building up of the body toward the goal of unity. It says, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. We each play a role in the body, friends. We each participate within a context, whether that's geographically, economically, socially, etc but the goal is the same for all of our roles. Maybe another way to, to illustrate this is, uh, is, is another uh, teaching of Paul's from the, to the church in, in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians. He writes, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And so he goes on to say that the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Um, He begins to talk about how we cannot disqualify somebody that God has brought into his family. Everybody has a place when they've entered into the family of God. That's that's something worthy of pausing and just reflecting on a little bit. Everyone here you cannot exclude yourself if you have been brought into the body of God. You belong. You have a place. You have a role in this call of building up the body towards unity. That's for all of us. That's good news, friends. That's good news. Nobody is excluded. We are in this together. But Paul doesn't just leave us there. He, he offers this idea of uh, diversity and unity. Um, but he continues on, and he lets us know that we haven't been left alone to our own, our own plans, our own schemes, to figure out how to do that, how to live the life of the church in that way, how to attain this unity. He continues, speaking about mature, mature manhood. Um, so, let's back up a little bit. Says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And then he goes on to give us a few instructions, but I think we should take a moment to, to think on that. It's easy to pass over, I think, and, and honestly, I think we have to be careful with how we, uh, with how we look at this text. Um, specifically, I want to say, women, do not be deterred or feel dejected at the phrasing. Uh, for who is this man from whom the mature manhood is derived? Are the males being exalted here? No. Rather, it's the man Jesus. That's who it's being derived from. The Christ, who is our perfection. Jesus is the measure for, the, for, the, for true and perfect humanity. So do not, think, uh, do not think in exclusion here. Your share in the life of God is equal, even uh, if unique with men. Paul is highlighting that it is, there's, there's an importance of submission here. He's not presenting these offices as competing. You don't compete to build something up, right? You cooperate. You work together. So it is important that we submit ourselves and devote our gifts to God, each of our calls, each role. Maybe you don't know what that role is yet, and that is something that we can ask, we can pray for. God God has a role for you in his church, and he will gladly reveal it. And. It's, it's worth noting as well that, that that is what we do when we come to the table each week, as a gathered people. Um, we bring ourselves. We even have it in the liturgy. We bring ourselves, our our bodies and our souls as living sacrifices. And these are sacrifices that are poured out before God, for service in the kingdom. We're bringing our entire selves because that is what has been purchased. Each of our roles, your role is an offering to God. Your service in the church and out in the world is an offering to God. So whether apostle or prophet or teacher, evangelist, or maybe out in the world, or even in the church, administrator, accountant, a barista, a welder, each of these is a specific place of devotion, but also a means of service to the body. And perhaps you have more than one role. That's okay. Both of those can be devoted to the Lord. Uh, but know that whatever your place in the church of Christ, it is to the end of edification and unity of his people. Because the edification and unity of the church brings glory to God, it brings glory to God. And I think sometimes, we think of the glory of God as this sort of... Maybe this is just me, but sometimes my temptation is thinking like, man, Lord, like, it sounds just really narcissistic of you. But that's how the life of God works. Our flourishing, His desire for our existence in eternity, is caught up in His glory. That is the right posture of all things, to give glory to God. And that is how we participate in his life, and receive his life. So we share together. We share together in one one trajectory, Greek, or Jew, or uh, male or female. Because the the maturity belongs, the mature manhood, the, the personage that we are looking to is Christ. Perfected humanity. This call to maturity has some other implications to us for us too. Um, Paul, Paul states it this way: he says, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about every kind, every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. What Paul is saying is that maturity for us means stability. It is as as Jesus uh, as Jesus uh, put in a parable. It is the foundational difference between building a house on Paul the rock and on the sand. Uh, when we devote ourselves to, when we when we uh, work against maturity, when we don't strive for growth that spiritual growth that, that God is inviting us into we are uh, we're setting ourselves up for, the, for disaster when when trial and suffering comes uh, we know we all know the song on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand that's true friends that is true that is what we cling to the other side of that is that these things that he's, he's listing here, the every wind of doctrine, human cunning, craftiness, and deceitful uh, schemes, these are seeds of division. God desires a unified humanity. Think on Christ's prayer in John 17. We often think of uh, Christ praying for For us to be one as he and the Father are are one. Uh, But that's just, that's one portion of the prayer. How does that come about? Consider these lines. He says, you gave them to me and they have kept your word. For I have given them the words that you gave me. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So Paul is emphasizing that what is necessary for the unity of God's people or part of what is necessary one faith, as he says earlier in the text, uh, is doctrine, right doctrine. Um, He's he's saying be prepared in the faith, be trained in the way, listen, receive the apostolic teaching and preserve that because that is the the foundation. Those teachings are of the scriptures. Have you thought about uh, the fact that the apostles uh, and, and, and the broader group of disciples had a catechism with Christ. He opened the scriptures to them in his time here uh, after the resurrection. Isn't that incredible to think about? Oh, yeah, why, why can we trust the apostolic teaching? Oh, it's Christ's teaching. It's Christ's teaching. So that is what he's, he's, he's calling them to adhere to. And I think it's worth noting as well in our time that there is, this is especially maybe important for us here now because, and I think contextually, uh, in a city like Portland, this is, a, this is a, as an essential thing um, for the people here because a popular doctrine now that is invading the church is minimal doctrine or, or no doctrine at all um, accommodating submitting the the word of truth the the word of truth that we have received down through the ages of the church to uh, accommodate this this cultural moment that we're in brothers and sisters this is a family you are a family here it's a family that god has formed and that god is forming it's not just in this room it's all across the globe God is doing this work. It's a family formed through Christ and bound by his spirit. And what else does that mean but that through Christ's service and sacrifice do we know how to be a family. And by the miracle, the incomprehensible miracle of grace in God's own presence by his indwelling spirit. In that presence, the Father himself is working wonders in the humble and contrite heart. Conforming the faithful evermore into the likeness of Christ and by his divine wisdom, the unity of humanity, whom he loves inestimably. If we look at the, the, the closing verses of, of the text that we are in today, um, beginning in verse 15, you can follow along with me. Paul says, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. Into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so that it builds itself up in love. And he's contrasting. He's a rather he's coming off of, of, uh, this sort of wishy-washy every wind of doctrine, human cunning, craftiness, and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, that is the pre speaking the truth of Christ that we have been given and trusted with. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. I think it's maybe subtly stated, um, but what Paul is saying here is that we don't have to figure out what it looks like to be a community. We don't have to exalt community itself. It's kind of a buzzword in our time, too, Oh, I, just, I just want community, or uh, I think community means this. Right? Well, the scriptures have given us a beautiful, beautiful image of the community that God desires, God desires for us in his wisdom. And we don't have to strive and manipulate and try to control people. This church is never going to be your ideal church. If you have expectations in your own mind of what a perfect community looks like. It's time to let go of those. This is very likely that those are not in line with what Christ is calling you to. So what Paul is saying is, shift your focus. Christ is the center. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Ask the spirit that you are bound to each and every other person in this room by, with, that that he would conform you to the likeness of Christ. So rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. It's an image of Christ as the head of a body, and we are the many parts. That means we are in submission to Christ in everything that we do. All of the good gifts, every place that he puts us. Christ as the head, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What Paul is saying is that if we make our focus that head, if we are in submission, if our lives are in submission, then we will work properly and the community itself will grow and flourish. So we don't have to worry about—I'm uh, not saying we can't have programs, but we don't have to worry about how many programs we have. We don't have to worry about how many seats are not filled on a Sunday morning. What we have to do is devote ourselves to that conformity, to being like Jesus. And I know it sounds so basic, but are we doing that? That's the question. If we're, if we're honest with ourselves, if we're giving ourselves to self-examination, are we, daily, trying to, to, to be like Christ in the places we are, where God has us? I have to confess, I'm not. I, I fail all the time. I shift my focus to all sorts of really lame things, and I'm, I'm willing to bet I'm not alone in that. I'm not going to call anybody out here individually, but <laughs> don't worry. Uh, It's a, it sounds like a simple truth, but it is a tall order for us. So I want to encourage if if you have any love in your heart for, for the family of God, if you wish not to reject the heritage, this inheritance that we share with Christ, then I urge you to give yourselves un, unreservedly to the transfiguration of your souls. Let us be devoted to seeking God by his word, by the example of Christ and by opening ourselves daily to the searching and healing work of the Holy Spirit. We have to ask for God's help in these things. We cannot accomplish them on our own. Yet we, we have a God who always grants us audience. We can come to him anytime. Anytime. If you're thinking, if you're sitting there thinking, I, I can't do this. No, you can't. That's the good news. You can't. Christ has done it for you, and his spirit is working within you. And if, you, if you're sitting here, if you're with us this morning, and you're not a believer, that is a promise from God. And he has been faithful to that promise of renewing the person. And he wants to invite you into that. Friends, I, I want I to conclude with, with an exhortation from, from Paul, again, uh, elsewhere, because I think it speaks to maybe some more specific things to be thinking about and meditating on through the week. Um, and I want to encourage you to do that. Um, through, through the week, think on the words of Christ and think on the words of Paul. Um, think about what he's encouraging us towards maybe take some time to reflect. How am I participating in this family? Am I participating in this family? Am I operating as some sort of disjointed member? And where is that going to lead me? Hear Paul's words. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may, with one voice, Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Keep that in mind, in particular, at the passing of the peace and as we seek to meet with Christ at the table. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we give you thanks and praise for your word. You would not leave us to ourselves. We, you have even sent your spirit to be with us, to dwell within us, to, to guide us, to lead us, to show us and point us back to Jesus, back to you, back to your word. Uh, we're sometimes, Lord, we, we're a messy family, maybe most of the time. So, Lord, we ask for your help even now. Would you give us eyes to know how to serve one another? And Lord, would you give us clarity about what our service is? If we're unsure of what our role is, Lord, would you, would you speak clearly on that? Give us a desire to join with eagerness, with fervor, into your work, into the work you're doing here in this room amongst these gathered brothers and sisters, but Lord, also where we scatter in the world throughout the week. Be with us, Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.